listening to Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Then Jesus began to say to those in the synagogue in Nazareth, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, And none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. I apologize for the poor audio quality of this sermon. It has nothing to do with the people in the sound booth, right? So what is it about us as human beings that we tend to think tribally? We tend to think tribally. We tend to be concerned for ourselves or for our own tribe. And however we we consider our tribe, our family, our race, our country, whatever our tribe is, we we tend to put our needs, our wants first above everyone else. And, And what this way of thinking does is it creates division. It creates hatred, barriers, animosity, even violence between tribes. You know, we're seeing a lot of tribalism in our world today. And it's killing us. It is killing us. It's out of control. You know, what's going on with our government? I don't know one person who's happy. One person who's happy. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. It doesn't make sense when you dig your heels in and say, it has to be my way or else I'm not going to give in. Who benefits? If, if one side wins, we all lose. Right? I mean, what happened to compromise? What happened to the ability to work together? What happened to the idea that you, you take two different ideologies, two different ways of thinking, and bring them together and come up with something better? When did this happen that we suddenly became, it has to be my way or I'm out? It has to be the way I want it or I'm not going to negotiate. It has to be the way I think things need to be or else I'm not going to talk. When, when did that happen? 
We're not just seeing it in government. We're seeing it in our culture. We're seeing it everywhere. How many of you are happy that the Patriots are in the Super Bowl again? Yeah, not many. And I love, I love the representation in the front. You know, I pulled out, I pulled out a Steelers shirt today. I was going to put it on and I knew what I was preaching. I'm like, I can't wear the Steelers shirt. I can't, I, you know, I had it out. I had it out and I put it away and we'll pull this one out instead. But I mean, you know, we think, we think tribally. Everywhere I've gone this week, everyone I've talked to, it's like, go Rams, go Rams, go Rams, go Rams, go Rams, right? I mean, unless you live in Boston, no one's really happy that the Patriots have had this streak. However, wouldn't you have loved for the Broncos to have this kind of streak? I know I'd love for the Steelers to have this kind of a, of a streak, right? We think tribally. We, 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 want, we want to win for ourselves. And there's something in us that wants to see that other one lose. The other one get theirs, right? Where does that come from? What is that in us? And, and that tribal thinking creates all sorts of problems in society. I think racism is based in this. You know? That, that, that somehow we have to preserve the heritage of being white. I'm a white person. We've got to preserve the heritage of being white. We've got to preserve the traditions of being white. And, and we even then are able to demonize the, the traditions and the heritage of those who are brown. If my daughter Sarah marries an African-American, my grandchildren will be brown. Is that a threat to me? Is that a loss of, of, of my identity as a white person? Is that, am I losing something there if that were to take place? But again, we think like this. We think tribally. We think that, that the way we do things is the right way. The, our way of life is the way everybody should be living. And, and we try to in, infringe that, that way of life onto other people. We just got back from Haiti. Several of our Haiti travelers are here. And, and we, we just got back from Haiti. And one of the reasons Haiti and Africa and, and Central South America, Asia, developing nations have stayed stuck is because the white Western world has been going in for centuries and trying to make... The, 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 the people of those nations like us. We put our values on them. We put our way of life on them. I had a, I had a classmate in seminary. She did her internship in South Africa, this village in South Africa, and uh, spent a whole year there. And she came back, and we had to do internship debriefings. And one of the things she talked about is she hated Sundays. You think, well, why would you hate Sundays? And she said, well, it was great being with the African people. And she said, but on Sunday, worship was such a big deal. It was so important. People would walk for 5, 10, 15 miles to get to worship on Sunday. Sometimes they would leave Saturday night and walk and get there. And they would camp out at the church. And they would wear their native garb and, and such. And, and while they were waiting for church to start, there'd be native drumming, you know, and dancing and native food. And she said it was fabulous. And then all of a sudden, around noon, a bell would ring. Bong. Bong, the church bell, bong. And everyone would put on their European-type dress, and they would straighten up, and the, the pastors would come out with their black cassocks, like they wear in Sweden, right? And everyone would walk straight into the church singing A Mighty Fortress or some other Western European song. And she said worship was a total denial of the African culture. It wasn't integrated at all in worship. It was though the African lifestyle is, they can do that, they can live that way through the week, 
But when you worship God, you have to do it our way because our way is the right way and it's the only way to worship God. You see, what is it about us that we're afraid to engage in deep conversation and relationships with people in the attempt, or intent, I should say, of being changed ourselves? You can't be in relationship with someone without being changed by that person. So the text here, and I'm going to get back to that point in a moment. If we look at what's going on with Jesus, it's important that we understand the context of this story. So you got the second half this week of what should be one gospel text. They divided it into Michaela preached on the first half last week, and, and I'm fixing it this week for in this sermon. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love Michaela. She's fabulous. I'm kidding. She's wonderful. Um, but even going before in Luke, in chapter 3 in Luke, Jesus gets baptized. And then immediately after his baptism in Luke, for some reason, Luke at that place, right after the baptism of Jesus, feels the need to put the ancestral lineage of Jesus. As though that matters. His pedigree. Who he, you know, this, it's really fascinating reading. This person begat, that person begat, that person begat, you know, all the way back to Adam. All the way back to Adam. And, and so it's just thrown in there right at that spot. It doesn't seem to fit. But the author feels this is important. Pedigree. Don't we think sometimes our pedigree is important? Our name is important? Who, where we came from is important, right? Kind of defines us in some ways. So Luke puts that right there. Then right after that, Jesus is, is driven into the wilderness where he's tempted. That's the beginning of chapter 4. And we're going to have that passage the first weekend of Lent here uh, in the beginning of March. And so Jesus is tempted. And then after his temptation, he goes to Capernaum. And he does some healings, casts out some demons. And then he goes to his hometown. And when he returns to Nazareth, his hometown, it's the Sabbath. So he goes to the synagogue. And he's, he's well known. He's popular. He's, he's treated with respect. Why? Well, he's from there. People know him. Second, he's a rabbi. That's a big deal. When I go to my hometown church, Grace Evangelical Lutheran Church in Rochester, Pennsylvania, when I walk in there, I'm a celebrity, man, because I'm a pastor, right? And they're just, oh, Dougie, Dougie's home. Isn't it good to see Dougie? You call me Dougie, you will limp for a week, I promise you. Um, but, you know, and, and if the pastor knows I'm coming ahead of time, he'll call me up and say, well, do you want to preach? you want to preach? And, of course, I want to preach. I have a lot to say. Um, so I go back, and they, they treat me with respect. Well, that's what they did with Jesus. He walked in, and they see it's Jesus, and they say, oh, come on. And they hand him the scroll of Isaiah. And he leaves through the scroll of Isaiah. Actually, it would have been like this, not like this. He rolls through it, and he finds the passage that says... I come to proclaim good news to the poor. Release to the captives. The oppressed go free. And then in verse 21, which is our first verse in this passage today, he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he sits down. And they are thrilled. Thrilled. The hometown boy is the Messiah. Little Jesus you know, you can, how do you do Jesus with an IE on the end? You can't do it, Dougie, right? Jesus. They, they're thrilled. I grew up with him. I know him. I know his mom and dad. 
We lived down the street from him. His his dad was a carpenter, and 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 my husband was was you know he he was a, a mason, and they did jobs together. They did work together. This is awesome. We know the Messiah, and he's one of us. We're gonna have it all. Tribal thinking. They think the new Rome's gonna be Nazareth. The new seat of the empire is gonna be in Nazareth. The king is gonna live in Nazareth, and they're gonna have it all. Good news to the poor. The oppressed go free, right? Release to the captives. And they think it's talking about them. It is talking about them. But it's not talking about only them. And then Jesus says, you don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it. Remember Elijah? Elijah, when Jezebel was coming after Elijah and he, he ran away and God told him where to go. God didn't send him to a widow in Israel. God sent him up north to Zarephath in Sidon to a Syrophoenician widow. She wasn't a Jew. And she was blessed by Elijah. Remember that? Remember Elisha? Elisha uh, cured Naaman, who was a Syrian officer, cured him of leprosy. Wasn't a Jewish officer. Wasn't from Jerusalem. Was from Syria. Remember that? And they get enraged. Enraged. Did you hear how angry they got in the text? Were you paying attention to that? They became so enraged, they drive him to the cliff, to the edge of their town, which is on a cliff. And they're going to do what? Hurl him off the cliff. Hurl! I, that is a graphic word, right? doesn't say, so they could shove him off the side. No, they're going to hurl him. One, two, three, right? I mean, they're going to hurl him over the side. They're so angry. Why are they angry? Because the blessings are going to be shared with others? Because God loves everyone? Because their tribal way of life, their tribal thinking was being destroyed? And didn't align with God's vision for all people? You see, I, I'm like a broken record, especially talking to the kids about who is our family. Who's our family? The world is our family. We're all children of God. We, we're in process as humanity. God, the Spirit of God is moving us forward. The, the way that we, we're called to live is through relationship. It's through connection. And we better be in relationship with people who are different from ourselves. We better be in relationship with people who think differently than we think. Because that's how evolution happens. That's how humanity evolves. That's how we learn to love and learn to serve. And better things come out of it. We go to Haiti. Are we trying to make Haitians like us? Dear God, I hope not. Let's not make Haitians like us. Haiti doesn't have a suicide problem. So we're going to go make Haitians like us and introduce suicide to Haiti. Really? No. Do Haitians have anything to teach us? Can our lives be changed and transformed through relationships with those in Haiti? Of course they can. And this is the heart, the spirit that we have to bring into the world. The world's counting on us. God is counting on us. The church is the delivery system for love and life in this world. It's not government. It's not government. It's not education. I mean, I'm not against government. I'm not against education. I'm not against those things. 
But it's the church that is called to have the culture, this culture of love and life that transforms the entire world so that all may experience real life. You know, Jesus continued, this is right at the beginning of Luke, it's Luke 4, and I'm intrigued that when they were going to hurl him off the cliff, it says he passed through them and went on his way. Did you catch that at the end? I imagine Jesus just kind of, he just kind of shook his head, probably grieved, you're my folks and you don't get it, you don't get it, but he didn't berate them, he didn't yell at them, he just went on his way. You know, I, um, you ever been to another congregation, visit another congregation where they don't have open communion and you're not allowed to go? You ever been there? And I get mad. I used to get mad. I mean, really mad. Like, I would sit there and go, I'm going up. I don't care what they say, I'm going up. They're going to have to refuse me in the front, in front of everybody, in front of God. They're going to have to tell me no, because I'm going up. Because gifts of God are exactly, right? I don't do that anymore. I don't do that. I, I sit in the pew and I pray for this congregation. I pray for the pastor. I pray for the people because they don't get it. They're thinking tribally. They're thinking they have it and others don't. They think they have to protect God from people who don't believe the right way. And I pray for them, right? And isn't that what Jesus did? When the world attacked him and beat him and nailed him to a cross, he didn't yell at them, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. You're out of your mind. Well, he kind of did say you're out of your mind. Um, but he said it to God. He said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, right? They've kinda, they don't get it. And I think that's okay to pray that way. Help them, Lord. They don't, they don't see the vision yet. They don't see that we're all one family. They're still stuck in the old tribal way of thinking that divides and separates and creates violence. And three days after Jesus was crucified, God raised him from the dead to show us that love and life wins. Guys, we can oppose the oneness of humanity all we want. We can draw as many lines as we want. Guess what? Love and life is going to win. Love and life is going to win. Oneness is going to happen. A day is coming when all are going to be gathered on this holy mountain. A feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines for all peoples. It's on our altar, so it has to be true. But that day is coming. We can act like it's just about us all we want. But the truth is, God's going to get God's way. God's going to win. And so, the truth is, we're all one already. Everyone is loved already. God's just waiting for us to live like that. To live like the truth. That's it. So, cling to your faith and trust in this God of love and live. God loves each of you, and I do too. Amen.